Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Most of you know a few years ago we went through a very severe drought. Uh, It wasn't just one year or two or three. There were about four or five years that it was very severe. Our, uh, our creeks dried up and our ponds dried up and many of the lakes were half or two-thirds the size that they were and it was very desperate. Grass died, trees died. And I have a, a friend, uh, Burl, and his wife, Billy. They, they've passed on now, but Burl is a Native American. And one day during the drought, I was at a restaurant and I saw Burl and, and Billy there. And so I said, Burl, you need to do the rain dance. And he said, Pastor Mike, I've been doing the rain dance. And his wife said, I think he's been doing it backwards. <laughs> How many know water is life to everything? And so when we don't have water and when we have drought, it is a horrific thing. You know, when there's little water, life can be miserable, things die, all life needs water. And there's an amazing stream that flows through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to take your Bible and just turn to the first chapter, um, would you look at your neighbor and say, follow the water? Okay, look at the one on the other side and say, hey, you need to follow the water this morning. Chapter 1 of John's Gospel, John comes baptizing, John the Baptist, he's baptizing for the repentance and the baptism for repentance and we know that he also baptized Jesus and the Holy Spirit descended upon him without measure and John says this is the Son of God. Chapter 2, Jesus begins his public ministry and the first public miracle that we see that he did, he turned the water into wine. Chapter 3, One of the Pharisees by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and Jesus looked at him and said, a man must be born again and he must be born of the water and of the spirit. Chapter 4, Jesus encounters a woman at Jacob's well. And there we know in that exchange he offers her living water. Chapter 5, there's a lame man lying by the pool of Bethesda waiting for the troubling of the water. Chapter 6, A storm arises on the Sea of Galilee. And while the disciples are in the middle of the storm, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Chapter 7, last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus stood up with a loud voice, said, Let anyone who is thirsty come after me to drink. Whoever believes in me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. Chapter 8, there's a woman caught in the very act of adultery. The religious leaders throw her at the feet of Jesus and watch her as her tears run down her face. We're following the water. Chapter 9, Jesus takes a man who is blind, spits on the ground, makes clay, rubs it together, anoints his eye with the, uh, the clay or the mud and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he came back, he came back seen. Chapter 10, The Jews are seeking to take Jesus' life. He escapes and he goes to the River Jordan. And by the River Jordan, at the place he was baptized, he receives his disciples and people are believing on him. Chapter 11, Jesus 
is at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days. And as he's getting ready to ask them to roll away the stone, the shortest verse in your Bible appears, Jesus wept. And look at the tears running down his cheeks. Chapter 12, six days before the crucifixion, Jesus is having dinner at Bethany at the home of Mary and Martha and the resurrected Lazarus. And during that dinner, Mary takes an ointment and kneels down at the feet of Jesus and anoints his feet and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. But we also know this from other Gospels. She not only wiped the, anoint the ointment, but she bathed his feet in her tears. How many of you know you got to follow the water? Chapter 13. The Bible says that he's in the upper room with his disciples. When they enter, no one washes feet. And Jesus takes a basin of water and girds a towel and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Chapter 14. Jesus begins to introduce the disciples to the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. If you remember back in chapter 7, he said the living water is the Holy Spirit which has not yet been given. The one who will abide with them forever. The Spirit of truth that will dwell within them. The one who is coming in my name, he said, will teach you all things. Chapter 15, he continues to speak to them about the comforter. Verse 26, he says, this is the spirit of truth, the one who will testify of me. Chapter 16, the Holy Spirit, the living water. Verse 7, he said, will convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, guide you into all truth and will glorify me, the Christ. Chapter 17, Jesus prays to the Father for his disciples and says, sanctify them through your truth. Thy word is truth. And let me tell you about sanctification. Sanctification is washing and setting something apart. And we know we're washed by the water of the word. Can I hear an amen? amen. Chapter 18, the Passover meal. And then after that prayer, he takes his disciples, he exits Jerusalem and crosses the Kidron Valley and the brook Kidron to go to Gethsemane where he's going to pray on the Mount of Olives. The brook Kidron, the, the, the Hebrew word Kidron means morning. It means dark morning. He's going to the place where he will pray. Chapter 19, he goes before Pilate to be judged. And this is what we know. That during that judgment, Pilate took a basin of water and he washed his hands and said, I will not have this innocent man's blood on my hands. And in verse 34, while Jesus is hanging on the cross after he's dead, the centurion takes the lance and pierces his side and out came blood and water. Verse Number 22 of chapter 20. Then the resurrected Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit, which is the living water. Chapter 21. He appears to his disciples at the Sea of Galilee, and there he says, Peter, do you love me? And he restores Peter after Peter has denied him three times. And Jesus said, Do you love me? Three times back to Peter. How many know he just got to follow the water? Do you realize there's a theme all through the Gospel of John leading us from water to water to water to water? And uh, it's the living water. If I give you a description of living water, which is actually the Hebrew description, it's a spring. It's a fountain. It is a 
water springing up, flowing out. You don't have to pump it. So this is what it's not. It's not a well. It's not a cistern. You don't have to work to get it up. You don't have to labor to get it up. It just flows. How many of you know we need the living water? How many of you have ever had a well that you had to hoist up with a bucket? Or uh, you, you had some type of plunger or a well bucket. When I was a kid, we, we always lived out in the country. And many of the, the wells in this area weren't very good. And I uh, kind of have memories, not all of them are fond, but I have memories that when we took baths as kids, the adults would take a bath and they would drain it, but all the kids had to bathe in the same bath water because there wasn't enough water to have everybody to take a bath. Now, we didn't have showers back then. And when you were the last one to get in the tub, it was kind of gritty at the bottom. <laughs> Come on now. And the first shower I remember taking, we, we had two wells, one that uh, fed the house. The other one was on an old um, a pulley system and it had a bell bucket. And the bell bucket was about that big around that we go down the shaft of the well. And it had a plunger on the bottom. And in the summer, Steve and I, we would, we would pull up the bell bucket, get under, and pull the plunger. And that was the first shower I ever remember taking. Now, I've taken one since then, but I'm just telling you, the first time that I remember taking one. But in the summer, when you were hauling hay or you're outside and it's 100 degrees and there's no central air, how many of you know that was very refreshing? But living water, you don't have to haul it. You don't have to pump it. You don't have to crank the, the handle. You, you don't have to pull it up. It just flows. So we need the living water. Now, I referred to John chapter 4, and I want to go back there this morning. Do you remember Jesus is traveling through Israel, and he said, I need to go through Samaria? Let me remember that line. He told the disciples, I really need to go through Samaria. Now, one of the reasons that this is odd is because most people that were good Jews passed around Samaria. You either took the coastal highway or you went up to the east side of the Jordan. You didn't want to go through Samaria because these people would defile you. This, this is a mongrel breed. They, they worship different. But Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria. Now, there, there's two things here I want you to catch because there's, there's a highlight here. Not only is the woman of Samaria at Jacob's well being highlighted in chapter 4, but Jesus is being highlighted. Now let me tell you what I mean. How many of you know Jesus is both man and God? He's both humanity and deity. So when we see him sitting on Jacob's well, we see him tired, we see him hungry, and we see him thirsty. And the disciples said, we're going to go to town to see if we can find something to buy for food. And Jesus says, I'll stay here at the well. So we see him tired and thirsty and hungry. But when the woman comes, we also see his deity or his God nature. Because when she comes, how many of you know that Jesus knows everything about her? Because when he says, you, you need to go get your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you've rightly said. You, you've been married, you know, five times, and the one you're living with is, you're shacking up with is not your husband. And, and she said, I perceive you're a prophet. So he, he's showing his deity. And it's very interesting here. This omniscient one who knows everything about her has the power to give her living water. Now, this is what he said. He, he asked for a drink, and he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink. 
And I would give you, everybody say give you. You don't have to pump it. You don't have to bail it. You don't have to draw it. It is a gift, and this gift is what? This wellspring that just flows. It's not something that you have to work for. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, here's something also interesting. That John the Baptist declared Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. The disciples knew that he was the Son of God, the Messiah. But this is the only time that Jesus himself, perk up your ears, only time that Jesus himself revealed himself that way. He didn't do it at the Temple Mount. He didn't do it to a good Orthodox Jew. He didn't do it to some big religious leader. He didn't do it at a big bombastic event. He did it to a Samaritan woman who is in sin, who is kind of a half-breed according to everybody who lived around there. And he said, I that speak to you, because she said when the Messiah comes and Jesus interrupted her, he said, I that speak to you, I'm him. This is the first time Jesus reveals that he is the Messiah to this kind of woman. Isn't that amazing? You see, sometimes we're so filled with other things that we don't have room for living water. And we live in a world today trying to fill themselves up with stuff to satisfy them. And when it's over, they're really not satisfied. That's why we have drugs and alcohol and illicit relationships and pornography. We're looking something to fill us. Just as water fills you physically and satisfies you physically, your soul's thirsty. The inner person of who you are is thirsty. And only that living water can feed that thirst and fulfill that thirst. But have you ever ate a bunch of junk and then you got there and there was this wonderful supper prepared. And then you thought, boy, I wish I hadn't eaten all that junk. Because now I'm full of junk and this beautiful supper or dinner's prepared and I'm not ready to eat it. My, my little granddaughter is about 20 months old. And about a week or two ago, Carrie gave her her first Cheeto. So Riley has parents that uh, are very strict. <laughs> they don't hardly let her have sugar or you know, ice cream or just the good stuff. <laughs> but when you come to Papa's house and Cece's house, how many of you know everything changes? Yes. So Carrie gave her a Cheeto, a little soft puff Cheeto, And she took it and she took a bite and that little orange ring around her mouth. She looked up and she said, Cece, I like it. I like it. Well, you know, there's some things physically you like, but spiritually in your soul, there's things that you got to have. And here he's saying, I want to give you living water. Jesus offers living water to a thirsty woman. Because she's thirsting for something. We see it evident by the relationship she has. She's looking for something, but she really doesn't know what she needs. And Jesus says, this is what you need. Now, let me give you the characteristics of living water. It flows. It's refreshing. 
It's pure. It's clear. It creates life and energy. You can hear it gurgling and bubbling. It has motion. It changes the environment around it. Those that are thirsty are drawn to it. This morning in the first service, we had one of the, the men who was working on a huge ranch out in West Texas. And he said, Pastor Michael, as you were preaching this morning, I could remember riding over the ranch. We're talking about thousands and thousands of acres that this ranch he worked for. And he said, it's arid, it's dry, it's, it's dusty, there's cactus, there's yucca plants, it's, you know, some scrub brush. But he says, every once in a while, when I go into a ravine or a certain place, he said, there's a fountain or a spring. And he said, when I ride up to that fountain of that spring, the, the landscape around it is completely changed. And you'll see all the animals drawn to that spring or that fountain because it's clear, it's fresh, it's cool, and it's pure. And you see, Jesus is saying, this is the living water. For there was once dust and a parched ground, and the clay is curled up on the ends, right? Dryness and thirst, death, now their spirit and life and vitality. And folks, we need to realize that this flow we desperately need. We must have the living water. Let me give you another aspect of this for your consideration, and I think you'll understand what I'm saying. If that water is flowing, if it's pure, if it's fresh, if there's a, a, a stream and pressure behind it, if something lands in that water, a bug, maybe a small animal, or maybe something begins to collect there, there's enough energy in that fountain or that spring to push it out and to flow it out. This is what I know about me. I'll leave you out of the loop this morning. That'd be okay? Sometimes stuff gets in me. Sometimes people do stuff. And I get a little attitude. Or I get some resentment. Or bitterness. Or anger. But as long as I have the living water... You know what happens? If I'll just keep the living water flowing, if I'll just keep the right attitude when I have the wrong attitude, if I'll just you know, have the right perspective when I have the wrong perspective, how many of you understand what I'm saying? That living water will literally flush that out of my system as long as I allow, allow it to flow. But let me tell you, when you don't have a flow, water gets stagnant. Little squiggly things begin to appear in your water. How many of you met somebody this week that's got squiggly things in their water? Come on. And they've had squiggly things for a long time. But when you got a flow, it will flush that out. It will take the purity and exit the impurity in your life. That's why it's so important for us to keep a flow in our life. Living water, first mentioned in the New Testament, chapter 4 of John. Second time, chapter 7. Flip over there, please. In the middle and toward the end of that, Jesus at a feast. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot, or we might know it as the Feast of Booths. You see, there were three feasts every year that Jewish men were required to attend if they could at all possible get there. Feast of Passover, Pentecost, and this feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, Booths, or Sukkot. Now, this feast found in John chapter 7 was a seven-day feast. They would begin, and every day there was activities. The people actually left their homes. And the pilgrims coming in did not stay at Motel 6. 
they constructed themselves booths or tents or we might say a brush arbor type structure and the reason God said for them to do that is they're remembering the journey in the wilderness that they did not live in homes, they did not live in houses, they lived in tents and, and unpermanent dwellings. And he says, I don't want you to forget where I brought you from. How many of you believe it's not a bad thing to remember where you came from? And that's exactly what God is saying. Remember you were in the wilderness and you wandered around, so I want you not to live in your house those seven days. Go outside, live in a tent, live in a brush arbor, you know, put a curtain up, whatever. Get out of your house. Remember, I brought you through the wilderness. And that's what they did. And during those seven days, there were certain things that happened. One of the things is that this was the end of the harvest. You see, it always happened at the end of... September and the beginning of October. You see all the grains brought in through the summer. The other fruit crops are brought in. The olives are gathered. So it's the end of the harvest. And the end of the harvest means it begins the planning of the new agricultural year. So there's a transition there. So God says, this is why you do it. This is when you do it. This is the reason you do it. And they would begin to bring these huge lamps into the courts of the tabernacle or the temple. And they would put them up and they were big. The basins were big. It would hold gallons of oil. The priests would put ladders up them. Up them, They would pour oil in. They would take the priest's garments and twine them about and that would be their wicks. And they would light it up for seven days. There was music. There was dancing. There was food. There was festivals. And this thing went on and on and on. And... This celebration signifying the end of the harvest, the planning of the next harvest, was a huge celebration. One of the things they would do at the Feast of Tabernacles, the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would get water. And they would bring it to the temple area and they would put it ceremonially in a, in a container. They would take these pitchers of these containers. The priests would bear them up to the the pool of Siloam, dip it in, pick up the water, they would take it to the altar area and they would store it. Now, the pool of Siloam is fed by the Gihon Spring. It's a pool, but it's fed by spring, which gives it the definition of what? Living water. Now, it's interesting that the Gihon Spring, the word Gihon actually appears in the the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. It's one of the rivers that flow out of Eden, which means it is a spring river, that it flows from the in, inside of the earth and it has so much flow, it creates its own river. Isn't that amazing? Now it is flowing into the Gihon Springs and, and they bring it in. And the word Gihon means to gush forth. And later they renamed it the Fountain of the Virgin. Isn't that interesting? The fountain of the virgin. Guess who came out of the issue of the virgin? That's Jesus Christ. So they would take this water and they would bring it in. Look at verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Out of his heart or his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So I want you to picture the festivities, the, the celebration. 
It is the Feast of Tabernacles, and they're, they're bringing in the water, they're sacrificing, there's music, there's dancing, there's celebration, they're living in tents and booths, they're outside in the evenings. The light is lighting up the entire temple area. During that week, as they close out the week, the priests would march around the altar seven times. And you know what they're recreating? Jericho. And, and they would march around the, the altar seven times. Now, they're not trying to bring the walls of the temple down. But symbolically, they're saying this. Anything that's a wall between God and us, anything that is a hindrance between us and God, we want to break that down. And then they would take the water they've collected that week from the Gihon Spring, from the Pool of Siloam. They would pour it on the altar, and they would pour it around the altar. And that day, the last day, is called Hashanah Rabbah. Say that with me. Hashanah Rabbah. Now, it's interesting to me that this, this line, this saying, means, oh God, save us. But also when they poured out the water, they're crying out to God for the water for the crops that they're planting. Let me, let me give you an illustration. In Oklahoma, most of the grain is harvested beginning at the end of May through the summer, right? And guess when we plant those grains again? Most of the time we plant them at the end of the summer or the beginning of fall, this same time period. So as they're planting their new crops, what are they asking God for? God send us the rain. Because if we're going to have another good year, we need the water from heaven. And if you ever go through a drought, water is essential for life. And they're saying, oh God, save us. We're pouring the water on the altar. We are looking, God, for you to answer us with water. And it's at that moment, Jesus cries out, if anyone is thirsty, if you will believe on me, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Catch it. Don't let this slide by here this morning. The priests are calling out to God. God, send us the water. And God is actually answering them right in their midst. He's saying, I've got the water. You're asking for water. I got it. If you'll believe on me, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I tell you what, that's a powerful moment. Amen. People looking around say, what in the world's he doing? He's answering the prayer. They just prayed to God. Here's the water. If you want the water, here it is. And Jesus did not just promise them a trickle. He didn't promise them a little flow or a stream. He promised them a river. He promised them a river. How many of you believe we need the living water in our lives? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think you already believe it. If you don't understand it, you can ask me after service. We need living water in our services. We need living water in our music. In our worship. We need it in the preaching. and the teaching. You, you see the characteristics of this water. It, it, it bubbles up. There's a flow. It is a gift. You know I don't want to come in here. And just sing some old dry dusty song. I don't want to preach some old dry dusty sermon. You open your mouth and just dust comes out. 
I, I don't want to be a congregation. I don't want to be in a church that's just old, dry stuff. Do you? I mean, I want the kind of stuff that when we come in here and the music starts, we begin to sing. I want something to just start bubbling up inside of me. Kind of puts a little bounce to you. It, it floats your hands up. Some of you hadn't got that much water yet, but you're going to get there. You're going to get there. See, it's the kind of water that springs forth. It's the kind of water that bubbles up. It's the kind of water you can hear flowing. And so when we sing and we play and we preach and we teach, it's the kind of water that's refreshing. It's the kind that we need. Our, our soul is satiated. It's, it's satisfied. We go out and we feel like we had a good long drink on the inside of us. It gets us through our Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Can I hear an amen? And it's the very thing that people need. And here is a conundrum for me. It's the very thing that some people have an aversion to. Oh, don't get too excited. I understand. Listen, listen, I'm not all for a flood that's going to wash me out the door. I mean, you understand what I just said. I don't want you to wash me out the door, but don't give me that dry stuff either. I mean, I want something that I feel. I want something that, that matters. I want something to bubble up inside of me that gives me praise and thanksgiving, something that's going to refresh me so when I leave, I know I've been in the presence of Almighty God. I want it in the Word. I want it in the worship. I want it in the fellowship. I want it in the community. I want it in the kononia, right? We need that living water flowing through our lives. Not only do we need it individually, we need it corporately. It is life-giving. Can you get your mind around this? That Jesus said, I'm going to give you rivers of living water. You see, if we look at some of the greatest rivers in the world, then if you trace them back, some of them may have had very humble beginnings. I've heard that uh, there are places that you can step over the Amazon River. I know this is a fact. There are some places in, in uh, United States you can step over the Mississippi River. Because somewhere there's a source. And there's the beginning. See, the Amazon begins up in the Andes Mountains as the snow line and the ice begins to melt. There's little rivulets that, that come down and they flow from the mountains and all of a sudden they begin to join together somewhere along the journey. Same thing about the Mississippi. You know, there, there's this one and then this flows into it and this flows into it and then this flows into it. And I think it's the same way here, don't you? That you bring your river and I bring my river and, and they bring their river and we come in here and we combine the rivers and the river just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. We'll talk about that next week. But that's what happens. You bring your living water that he gave you and I bring my living water that he gave me and we, we have this collection of living water. Listen, I wouldn't suggest you try to step across the Mississippi and New Orleans. I wouldn't suggest you try to step across the Amazon when it flows into the Atlantic. Because guess what happened? There was a synergy that began to build up when all those little rivulets and all those little fountains and springs began to flow together. It became more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. You see, the Amazon is 3,600 miles long. It's the most powerful river in the world. 
Mississippi's the most powerful one in the United States. They say when the Amazon flows into the Atlantic Ocean, it has such force of fresh water flowing into the Atlantic, fresh water flows 60 miles out into the Atlantic Ocean. There has been stories of sailors and mariners who tried to, you know, come up in that area and their water supply was, was waning and it was almost gone and someone came to them and they said, we need water. And you know what the other person said? Just drop your bucket. Because for 60 miles, the fresh water pushes all the salt water aside and it's a flow of fresh water in, in, in that area. All you have to do is drop your bucket. How many of you know some people who just need to drop their bucket? It's not that the water's not there. Here's the problem. You're not thirsty. You're full of something else. Or you haven't been educated or revealed that the water is available. You see, the woman at the well said, man, I, I got to find this in relationships. I got to find it with men. I got to find it in this. And you know what Jesus is saying? No, you don't. Men are good sometimes. But what you really need is this living water that I'm available to give you. It's here for you. If you want it, you'll never thirst again. And she said, sir, give me that water. Let me tell you, it was so powerful in her life that she brought back the whole city. In the early service, a woman came up to me and said, Pastor, you know why he said that to a woman? And I said, no. Let me know, that's a trick question. I said, no. And I said, I'll tell you why. Because she's not going to keep her mouth shut, she's going to go tell them. I said, okay. Don't comment any further. She went back and brought the whole city out. He was with them for two days. Why? She got a drink of the living water. What she drank at the well, not from the well, but at the well, flowed out of her in town and it affected the whole city. You see the living water. Jesus said it's the Holy Spirit. He said it will flow out of us, teach us, guide us. It will begin to move in our life. You see, sometimes... In our life, we forget how powerful God is. Sometimes we have these issues that we all face. I do, and I know you do too. I've got issues of things maybe I've done wrong, thought wrong. And then all of a sudden, could be in your car, could be at home, could be when you wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night, could be when you come in here. All of a sudden, something begins to bubble up inside of you. There's this flow that begins to come up. And the living water begins to come up and begins to flow those things out of my life. And it replenishes and it, it, it refreshes my soul. It's kind of like Peter standing by the Sea of Galilee and Jesus saying, come on, Peter, let's get over this. Let's go on. And maybe you're here today and you're dry and you're thirsty. And maybe you got some stuff in your channel. And this is what I know. I, I live uh, out uh, seven miles out from the nearest town, 12 miles from here. We have a creek that goes through our land. It's called Dry Creek. Most of the time it's not dry, but someone years ago named it Dry Creek. And sometimes when I walk down behind my house to the creek, you know, there's, a, there's an old log or there's brush that's piled up and 
there's soda cans and styrofoam cups and different things and it just kind of accumulates kind of like your life my life just stuff kind of accumulates but we'll have about a three or four inch rain and when I go back down to that creek none of that stuff's there you know what happened it all got washed away and guess what you and I get some stuff you got some old styrofoam cups in you got a few brush piles but if you get the Holy Spirit flowing in you you know what will happen it'll just wash that stuff right out of you and it'll wash it right out of me so we need the flow we need the flow of fellowship we need the flow of worship we need the flow of preaching and teaching if we can get that freshness I want to tell you something it makes all of the difference about two or three years ago, about a couple who came to our church, and uh, they weren't from here, and they sat right back there uh, toward the bottom of the Cascade section. And one night, she, she came to me, and she said, Pastor Mike, I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, what, what's going on? She said, uh, whenever I come in here to service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, when we have service, she said, I tend to cry. She said, when we're, we're singing, tears roll down my face and when you're preaching sometimes I, I cry I think surely the sermon's not that bad <laughs> but she said that's never happened to me before I, I, I haven't come to the service and nearly every time I come I, I just cry she said I never did that in any other church I ever went to now you gotta watch what you say I wanted to say that's because when it's so dry you don't react that way she said what's wrong with me I said honey nothing's wrong with you that's just the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart and guess what some people cry some people laugh some people kind of bob up and down some people raise their hand what's happening there's a flow there's a flow of the living water and everyone needs the living water bow your head with me we are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.